Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am your host, Eric Acker. Uh, this week, we are going to try to go over just some of the, the happenings that we have come, uh, come across. And of course, joining me this week is Karen. Hey, guys. We are not, uh, we are still not quite together yet. Uh, she's still back in Warner Robins. I'm out here in Kansas City. So we are making this work remotely again. We're trying at least. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're trying the audio. I know the audio quality hasn't been as great as it probably has been in the past for our podcast, but we're, and I always felt like Karen brings a little extra to the podcast <laughs> that me monologuing for 30 minutes can't quite bring. So, uh, we I'm just happy to have her and finding a, a tech solution that quote unquote works. <laughs> ish, it works ish. <laughs> yeah, but. I think if I had one more piece of technology, I could probably make it work more seamlessly. But uh, at this point, I'm not sure if it's worth the the ten dollars to go to the store to get. So <laughs> we are we're gonna make do with what we got. So. Kind of keeping with our theme, where this is obviously the match cycle. We are about two weeks into it. Like so, last Wednesday we submitted the applications. Well, it was I Tuesday. Think I think right. we submitted it, but Wednesday it went live to the programs, and we have been um, getting emails uh, through the Eras program, and so we've been kind of dealing with what those emails tell us. Some of it's just simple, hey, thanks for the application. We'll reach out to you in the future if we want to invite. This is our timeline for interviews and when we expect to be able to have finished reviewing applications to start sending out invites. So we've gotten, um, I think, roughly 13 contacts from different medical schools that we've uh, applied to, or not medical schools, uh, residency, <laughs> residency programs. programs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we are, we've had, you know, 13 uh, programs reach out to us. We actually do have two interviews now as of today that we have successfully mm-hmm. scheduled. <laughs> and those go fast just yeah, for it, other people that are, go ahead. Sorry. In this, oh, just for other people that are in this, uh, match um you get the email you want to sign up for an interview within like the first 10 minutes of getting um an interview i like with the first one that we got yesterday um eric signed up for his interview and then by (laughs) a couple hours later almost all the spots but maybe like two were filled so they go quick Um, And I think as you, I mean, ultimately your goal is to get, I don't know, what, seven to ten interviews because that gives you 80, 90% chance of matching. I think that's correct. Is that right? Yeah. And there's like, especially there's different statistics, but roughly you would say about every interview gives you 10% chance of matching. Yeah. So um, it 
it's important to like jump on those quick so that you're <laughs> you can plan your interviews hopefully around other <laughs> interviews and not be have to make a judgment call on well I think I like this program better than the other program um and do I have a better what shot what program do I have a better shot of actually getting into yeah so our our general strategy has been to also schedule them as early as we can um so like the most earliest interview slot that they have closest to today's date is what we try to pick um as far as it's uh, a feasibility obviously if i'm in the middle of a rotation sometimes that can be tricky especially if they if they do want it in person but thankfully so far they've all been virtual but uh, we're, we're trying to pick them early and get them out of that kind of hit hit an interview do the interview get it out of the way uh, and that way if we get more interviews down the line then we have room for those interviews to take place and we're not cramming all the interviews into one week or you know a couple weeks which can really disrupt the four-year electives because like i'm still on an audition right now like it doesn't look great if you're missing half your week yeah well and in addition to that like you want to be able to have time to prepare for each interview so if you can space them out at least a few days or a week apart that that way you're not like because <laughs> as much as you did the research before you applied you didn't we didn't have enough time to like go in depth on absolutely every single program right but you want to sound intelligent in your interview and actually know about the program and why you want to go there or what the positives are what the possible negatives are all that stuff so having having the time and not having like back-to-back interviews like having one on friday and one on saturday where you might um accidentally slip up and think that one program has something that it's actually the other interview that you had (laughs) they had that that specific whatever sim lab or something and so (laughs) just giving yourself uh, that ability to prepare i think is good in addition to spacing it out so you're not ruining your fourth year electives and kind of like you said like you 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 kind of want to be able to be excited about each interview and if you're going from one after the next it's very stressful (laughs) at least for me it seems like it would be a very stressful thing to go through and it's hard to be show how excited you are for a particular program when you are just so stressed out and then you compound it by having one after the next like it's it's probably at some point going to show on your face (laughs) and these are virtual interviews so all they get to see is your face um so that's just kind of the thought process that that we have there um as far as the uh, program contacts those can really mean a whole lot of any something or a whole lot of nothing um we we of course sent out applications to well over 170 programs and you know 13 within the first week Uh, not a bad i guess return on investment (laughs) but and those those uh contacts don't really you know most of them you know so 11 of them basically at this point have just basically been hey we got your 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 application we're reviewing it and we're going to get back to you at a certain date there was like one or two that also tacked on like oh we have supplemental information we want so something to kind of 
no, I have made this mistake and thankfully Karen has looked it over. Cause I'll send out kind of forward her the, the emails and I'll look at them and just be like, Oh, this is just basically an FYI. Like this is their process. I don't really want to spend a lot of time reading to, you know, five paragraphs about how they process applications, which it's very thoughtful and very well put. But after reading like five of them or six of them, you don't want to read any more. And Karen has noted a few times that, like, hey, they actually have a supplemental application you have to fill out and submit back to them. Like, oh, okay. So that one, I have to fill out some more information and send it back. No big deal. Which is different than the supplemental that the AAMC uh, had you fill out. So something yeah. to keep in mind. Well, and then there was one that um, requested, so they requested that you do a Casper test. Which was something that we had done, you had done, not we. Yeah, when I was going to my medical school applications, there was one school that wanted me to do a CASPER, like a situation judgment test or assessment. Obviously, I did not make it into that school, so I don't know if that means I did badly on the CASPER or not. Uh, (laughs) But so that one we, and it was interesting because they were like, hey, we want it. We want it by this particular date, and the next available date that they administer these tests is the, so in this case, it's the 6th of October. So we want you basically to get it done on the 6th. That was the only option available. So it's kind of an interesting hoop that they make you jump through before you even get an interview. It's interesting. We're going to do it because, hey, at this point, we can't be picky. Um, well, and the test is also free, so that It's helps. free. It's just a couple hours of your time. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, trying to think here. So, and then, of course, on top of that, we're moving the interview. Interviews coming up. Uh, we have one coming up on, I think, Tuesday. So we are trying to... Uh, get as much of our schedules lined up as possible so that we can take that interview do uh, on Tuesday and do well. We, as in me. But um, that means I, I am on a way rotation. I just want to give adequate time to this rotation. And thankfully, the rotation does allow me a little bit of flexibility to kind of pick my own schedule. So I'll be working uh, over the weekend to make sure my Tuesday afternoon is as free as it can be for this um, interview. And then, of course, we're we're going through the questions. And so the, if you go online, like Karen was saying, I, you were saying like, on Instagram it's kind of full of people who have interview tips and tricks. Yes. Um, so I think we're going to do a little bit of our own. We don't have any uh, obvious expertise besides we are going through this with, this with all the rest of the students this year. Uh, and we are just hearing the same kind of feedback. Uh, the only additional information I think I could probably shed, shed light on um, is that we had conversations, we as in myself and Brandon West, when we went to the ACP conference directly from program directors about interviews and what drove them nuts and what they like to hear. So <laughs> um, in the basic, uh, I'll, maybe we would just stick to that because you can always find all sorts of just random information out there on the internet. You can decide to follow or not follow for your interviews. Uh, there's obvious, you know, this is a virtual interview season. So, you know, blank backgrounds, good video quality is always great. 
good sound quality is also good ideal make sure you work out your tech issues before the interview <laughs> are you going to say something oh, i was going to just say have the number to call in case you do run into tech issues so that they don't think that you didn't just sh- not show up right um, and every time you interact with the program in any capacity, try to be as polite and professional as possible. Like my first interview, it didn't indicate whether it was virtual in person, which, you know, if I had to fly, you know, out to go to that interview, that would make a difference. Um, especially if it's a Tuesday interview, that does make a little bit of a difference on my rotation versus the first virtual interview, which I might only have to allot a couple hours of my day to. So, um, of course, when you call, just be very professional, very polite, be very thankful that they can get you the information quickly and, you know, in and out, you know, you don't need to, don't be rude. Don't be abrupt. Don't, you know, don't be like, Oh, why didn't you guys include that information on the, you know, don't, don't be a jerk, you know, just <laughs> their programs are figuring it out. Uh, my second interview invite, it was kind of funny. We booked the interview date because I noticed they were kind of booking out, uh, booking up anyway. And I was like, I'll just call and find out about the virtual versus um, versus in person. And sure enough, like within five minutes, an email came through from the program saying, by the way, this is a, a virtual interview. <laughs> like, they and they apologize for not not including that in the in the initial invite. Yeah. So, yeah, and we, we spent some time looking through the literature that we could find. Like, is this going to be virtual? And you, unfortunately, you can't. You can make some assumptions based off what you see on Matcha Resident or Frida or whatnot, but like really, you just you make those are just assumptions. You don't know until you you hear it from them. Um, so that's the only real difficult thing about this virtual interview is that if they don't explicitly say it's virtual, it could be in person. You know, this they could be going back to the normal cycle of things. Um, I could be wrong, uh, but I don't want to assume one way or the other. I would, would hate to miss an interview opportunity because I made a, a bad assumption. So um, that's kind of the, I guess, the quick nuts and bolts. Everyone, I think, focuses rightly or wrongly about you know the end of the interview when the the person asks you, "Do you have any questions for us?" And it's a well known, well established knowledge within med students and programs that med students need to come up with questions for the program. And because if you don't have any questions for the program, it shows that you're not interested. And I, I don't, I definitely don't want to say that that's bad information. I think. Um, at least from the program directors, it does still seem like they care about that question. But the police, a few program directors that me and Brandon talked to, uh, at least one of them said they know when there's a question that's out there on Reddit because a thousand people will ask them that same question. So my, my point really with that is that, and it sucks because I, I know I'm struggling to figure out like what kind of questions do I want to ask them that I can't just find out on their website. Because <laughs> you don't want to ask those questions either. You don't want to ask one that you can easily obtain by yourself. You don't want to ask about benefits. You don't want to ask, there's like a lot of things you don't want to ask about, but you do want to ask a question that shows that you're interested in the program and you're or you're very thoughtful in, in what's going on um i would just my my really big advice there is do not use something that you saw on reddit 
because these program directors have heard it. <laughs> Maybe if you're like in the first batch of interviewers, you might get away with one. Like, oh, I asked that question first, you know, and then all the thousand other people behind me that asked the same question, they're going to get like the eye rolls. But you know, these program directors, like they, like they just know, like that's what's the if you ask an unoriginal question and they get asked it a thousand times, is it really that good of a question? Like, <laughs> and, and then the question I think that this program director specifically pointed to was like, if money was no object or I think a different variation of it was like, if you had $2 million to spend on your program, how would you make it better? And it's like, well, that's an interesting, thoughtful question. But it's like, but if you're a program director who's been asked that for the thousandth time, you are so sick and tired of answering that question. <laughs> Just as much as, you know, in, as the applicant, you're going to get so tired, you know, when you went into medical school, like, why do you want to be a doctor? And you still get asked that question a thousand times, but I think everyone's uh, interested in what your motivations are. Um, that's really, like, my biggest one is that I've heard right from program directors that they know questions that come from online forums. Uh, we... We as Trinity students also had a Q&A session where one of the students was like, oh, here's a list of questions you can ask programs. And it was very uh, research heavy um, on like research opportunities and research things within the program. And it, and I, I didn't like the questions particularly myself because I felt like they they wouldn't come out of me. Like I, I, they weren't something that I would ask about because... Like I like research well enough, but like I'm not obsessed about research. <laughs> well, and it, just looking at uh, different websites, certain programs are do require more or less, or research is optional, right? So it's it just depends well, on the program. So if you're if it, you're asking a program is. about research when the, it's optional they don't really care whether or not you do well, it or not is research is yes and no um that's kind of a misnomer so research is not necessarily optional because in order to um i forgot the acronym is like am acegme something like that it's the sort of is the board certifying body for all of residencies and they do require research in order for any residency to basically graduate somebody so whether you're a family medicine, psych, or surgery, you will have to do some kind of research, which is why the research on the application plays some kind of a role, because if you've done research before, it means that you can continue to do research. If you have never done research before, it's possibly a red flag that you might not be up for the requirements in residency. That being said, I still am not a huge, like, I'm not going to be someone probably who's going to churn out 10 papers a year. Um, I just don't find some of that um, minutia, for lack of a better word. I mean, not all research is minutia, but some of it is um, to be particularly compelling. Like, for example, we, we went to a journal club with this particular program last week. Great venue, great, um, great uh, time with the residents. And they went over, I think, three or four different articles that were very pertinent to the field and the specialty that we're in. And they went through all these all published articles that were published in the, the, the leading journal for this specialty. 
and they went through each of these articles and basically tore them apart. Well, they really tell them, tear them apart. Well, at least go, huh? It, this, the research is interesting, but we're not. It doesn't change how we practice. Could because the sample sizes were too small, or they didn't control X for X, Y, and Z. And so it's like, well, while this research is interesting, it doesn't change how anyone practices. Nobody's, no one's going to change how they do things. Like, it, <laughs> so it's. Like, and again, I'm not saying that research is bad. You shouldn't do it. We do need good research. We do need good advancements in medicine. I just don't want to be that guy who turns out ten papers a year that get published and doesn't ha- have any real impact. Um, like I wouldn't mind doing research that I feel like would be impactful research that will change how we practice medicine or will innovate the med- in medicine in this particular direction. I just don't want to be a research factory, I guess. I, uh, we're getting off a little course here. But <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I just want to at least point that out because I, I, the biggest difference is the level of research, like the particular program I'm at right now, they seem like they only require like a poster presentation and maybe um, you could publish something, but mostly poster presentation is what they really require. Where I have seen others like at a home hospital in Warner Robins, the residents at uh, Houston, I think, have to publish. And so I have seen different variations to, from program to program of how intensive this research has to be this particular program i'm at right now you don't have to publish it doesn't sound like you just have to make a poster and present it at one of the conferences or something like that it's not very intensive uh, whereas out in uh, my previous sub i and in houston you do have to do a bit more uh, I wonder on if, the publishing side i wonder if university programs or programs associated with the university if that's more research heavy it would be interesting to possibly. look at but possibly um, along those lines we are keeping a spreadsheet of like who's reached out and the <laughs> dates the dates that they have said they're going to send out um, interview things and then so we're kind of tracking all of that just to kind of see um, I was kind of interested to see if like the initial email was you pass like our first like flush of the computer system, I guess. filter. Yeah, computer filter and then we're gonna review your application and then if you pass that review then you'll get a interview or if it was just like a mass email that everybody got. Um so we're just kinda seeing if you have higher odds of getting an interview if you've gotten an email or if it doesn't actually matter. It was just a curiosity thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a good. It's, it's why we're tracking it. It's because it, it does seem to make sense that if we are getting contacted by these programs, it could just be the programs don't want people to forget about them. Like, hey, don't forget about us. I know we're not in the first group sending you. You know, I think I've heard from some friends who are applying family medicine this cycle that they've read. You know, on day one they got interviews interview invites you know, like three of them I was like wow that's incredible on day one you got three invites and it's taken me a week to get two um, yeah. makes you a little paranoid a little bit <laughs> yeah and so we but we got all these contacts from you know these programs reaching out and just being like hey we got your 
we got your application. We're going through it. And if we select you for an interview, we'll reach out on these between, you know, starting on this date and we'll send out rejection letters or, you know, if you don't hear from us by this date, you probably can just move on sort of thing. So it's um, interesting. I think there's some good thought or logic behind the idea that it's a, it's possibly that we've made it past the computer screens because you know they have to filter out some of these applications somehow, and somehow we've made it past a good number of screens, screenings anyway, at least thirteen, <laughs> and at least that's the running thought. We I don't know if there's any proof to that, and we are being considered. I think again this is thirteen as of this afternoon. I got my thirteenth one, so oh. You know, all, all programs are going to be on their own timeline, and there could be programs out there that just don't reach out to you and give you any updates, and they just figure we'll send you an invite when we want you, and we don't need to tell you hold on. So yeah, and I there, I should note that um, so we are applying for IM. We know people that are applying for family medicine. Obviously, family medicine has sent out invites a lot faster. Um, I think pediatrics. Is that correct? Pediatrics sent out an email basically saying all of all of the pediatric programs are sending out invites on this day. So you're not going to hear anything until this day. Um, and I think that's true of some Other specialties. specialties. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah, guess some, it behooves you to know what your specialty does so that you don't get all... You don't right. get really nervous. Think, because the first day when like Eric was checking in with people from Family Med and they already had interviews, I know it worried him a little bit. And so then we're like, okay, well, let's reach out to people who have already moved on to residency, who have matched in an IM program, and see what we should expect. And so that's yeah. what we did, and that kind of made us feel a little bit better, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, there's some specialties that, won't send out invites until the 14th of November. And we're sitting on the 4th of October, so it's um, at least another month and a half. You won't hear anything, and it's going to be, a, it would be very nerve wracking, I think, if you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. Why haven't I heard anything? And it's really like Karen's is saying, like, there's a, a group of, like, a, some sort of affiliation group that they all work with, work together in. And they've come to a consensus that we won't send out invites out until this particular date to give us plenty of time to review the applicants and not, I guess, undercut each other's programs or whatever. I'm not sure what the the deal is exactly, but there's um, quite a few specialties that are doing that. Um, So it does make sense to, if you're looking at pediatrics, general surgery, orthopedics, whatever, that you might want to try to feel around and try to see if there's a particular date out there that these specialties tend to um, collaborate around. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, so that's what I mean, really essentially what we're trying to do. We're just tracking. We're preparing. So as much as you're also preparing for the questions you're going to ask the program, uh, I feel like. Uh, it would be very foolish if you spent all your time trying to figure out what the, the one question you're going to ask at the end and not have any answers for the questions that you're going to be asked in the, the basically the meat and potatoes of the entire interview. 
So um, we've been scouring some of the internet for some questions, especially if you can find, sometimes on Reddit you'll be able to find some, like, hey, this particular program has these questions that they typically ask from the program directors, or um, these are the formats of the interviews, and generally speaking, the program will let you know a couple of days before what the format will be. But getting kind of a working list of questions um, that you can practice your answers to and work out, like, how do you want to do it? And I saw one one guy who posted a couple of years back on Reddit, and he was he made, a, I think, a, an excellent point. Like, try to think of, like, three different things that you want to be, you want to come across about yourself. Like, three attributes that you want the program to kind of get through your entire interview process and then you kind of got to figure out a way to kind of work those into every one of your answers not everyone but like you know periodically try to work those in because you want the program to walk away thinking um you know hardworking, reliable etc like <laughs> the three things that they if they think of you they they should come to that it should come to their mind um, so that was, I think, interesting advice. Um, I think that can help guide as well the, how you answer certain questions is keeping those three things you want them to think about about you in mind. And then, of course, practicing those questions, practicing your answers to the questions so that you it doesn't sound like you're completely unprepared. Um, but you don't want to sound you don't want to sound like a robot either. So it's a, it's a delicate balance. <laughs> yes. Yes. And don't forget, like, so, like, we used Match Resident as well as the Explorer tool. Um, but, like, Match Resident, they have um, reviews from people who have inter- interviewed there before. So that's a very easy, quick, like, I can log on, I can go through and read about what these people thought about the program, about the, how what they thought about their interview process. Um and it might be a little bit different because some of them, obviously, the reviews are from before when it wasn't virtual. Um, some of them do still have the have newer ones that are from virtual. Um, but uh, yeah, and be aware that if you have like a open forum with residents, um, <laughs> those are recorded. So. <laughs> They can be. Um, The warning I've gotten from a lot of residents is that sometimes they are recorded or sometimes there is a staff member kind of lurking in the background. Uh, Maybe not of one of the residents, but like they're lurking in the room, the Zoom room or whatnot, and listening. So uh, anything virtual, just as much as kind of what I was taught when I was working at the Vancouver Clinic uh, in regards to how you send emails, is that anything virtual, just assume that somebody else is going to get their hands on it at some point. Uh, once you send it, it's no longer within your control. You can no longer control how it's perceived, how it's read, and who gets to read it. So just kind of keep that in mind as much as you would love to ask some very deep questions to the residents and see if they can give you some revealing answers about the program. Like, just remember that they might be being watched uh, to some degree as well and um, may not feel comfortable answering questions directly, and so they might answer it more diplomatically. And that's, again, another reason why it's good to have questions for the residents that 
don't come across as like, what's terrible about this program? What, what do you hate about it? Like, what makes you, you know, um, maybe find some questions and that would be more revealing about what they don't say. Um, I think I had one idea was like, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I remember I kind of pitched this to you and now I'm not remembering it, but um, compared to your peers in other programs similar to this one, what do you feel like your program does well? Yeah. And that's a very positive thing because you can really get some really positive things, but like what they don't say can be pretty revealing. Like if they don't say, Oh, we work really good as a team. We're really like a tight group that can be kind of revealing that it could be a very competitive atmosphere or a very uh, malignant atmosphere. I'm not saying that's a foolproof way to do it, but sometimes you can ask questions that are positive in nature, give you some decent information, but also gives you more information on what they don't say. It's it's subjective because you know some some people may not even think about that as a positive or whatnot. So it's it can be tricky. I don't know. Yeah. I, again, I'm not an expert. I haven't even had one interview yet. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, take everything with a grain of salt, especially some advice you hear online. Take a lot of things with a grain of salt. Um, always just assume that you're going to be asked for more than what you're going to show. Like I think I, Karen was mentioning, someone online had posted like. Wear a suit, but if you in if you aren't going to wear slacks, at least wear sweatpants that are the same color of your suit. And it's like just wear the slacks, dude. Like I don't understand. Like who's out there wearing their boxers just because you can? I know people do it. I know people like oh, it's I hate being in a suit and tie. It's like just it's for like two hours. You can do it. You can, well, I, I have faith in you guys. Well, and I believe it was Matt that said one of his interviews. They asked him to stand up and like show them everything that he was wearing. So, because programs are aware, so it's just how much effort are you willing to put forth? So, I mean, it's it's a silly thing, right? Like, because it's like a virtual interview. Like, it's silly. What do you care what what I'm I'm wearing two thousand miles away? As long as what you can see looks good. But I. But at the same time, it's like you don't want to be in that Zoom call when you set the stand up and show that you're only wearing boxers. Like, just just don't do it. Just don't be that guy. You know, it's two hours. Don't don't wear sweatpants. People know what sweatpants looks like. Uh, put some slack. Just put the slacks on. You know, wear wear your suit. Wear, you know, just show up as if you're going to go actually into the interview. And then after the interview is over, you can wear whatever you want. Or nothing. I don't care. Who cares? No one cares. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your roommates care, but (laughs) I I just don't understand like the the tempting fate on like, this is your future. You spent 300,000 on on this endeavor and you're going to chance it, a chance a a job opportunity on like, because you don't want to wear pants. Like, that is like for four years of your medical school life, you've wore pants. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure you could continue to wear pants for just a couple more days. Like I just don't get it. Um, so don't don't make don't make a mistake. I, again, it's like this shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't be like oh well, if you're not going to wear pants, then at least wear sweatpants. And it's like well, I mean, if you're not going to wear pants, just go naked. Why not? You know, like, just go for. <laughs> Okay, Karen's like, no. 
No. <laughs> okay, don't take that advice, I guess. <laughs> How weird would you feel? <laughs> that would just oh, that would be very odd. awkward. Yes. Um, <sighs> the video would suddenly cut out, like, oh, I'm having some technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, all that to say, (laughs) (laughs) our plan plan (laughs) is to probably set up everything the weekend before, make sure that his computer or iPad or whatever he's using is elevated enough so that his head is somewhat centered in the screen, Um, make sure that his lighting is fine, probably... I don't know if you have windows there or not, but probably close the blinds so that the lighting doesn't change during your interview. Daylight basement. Um, Get your outfit ready. Know where it all is. Steam it. Um, Have your, my CV and my, um, just basically have all my personal statement CV and anything else ready to go um, on a iPad or something since I don't have, a printer. I'll probably just have it on an iPad. That way I can refer to it uh, in an instant. And probably have PDF versions of them too ready to go in case one of my interview per- people are like, oh, I, ha- I don't have actually access to his personal statement. I can be like, what's your email? I'll send it to you. Yeah. So just kind of prepare in that way and then as well as the questions that you think that you'll get and then Maybe a question that you can ask the program. Um, But, I mean, you most likely will get why this program. You most likely will get, um, (laughs) I don't know, what else will you get? (laughs) I I read a lot of them today, and I'm just not recalling them. It's okay. We'll we'll keep working on it. Again, this is one of those things. Everyone's nervous. Everyone's trying to do the best. But uh, there's different interview styles and you never know what you're going to get until you kind of get into it um but i guess one thing i like to try to keep my back of my mind is that there are some interview styles that are very casual and to be careful not to get too uh lulled into a, a sense of casualness that you you know maybe let your guard down you you lose a little professionalism because there are some interviewers that style where they just they just kind of want to get to know you and they just chat with you and it's good. That's a good, I think a very good interview style, but then you kind of forget that you're actually in a very professional interview and you might say some things that you would otherwise not say. So just something to kind of always keep in the back of your mind, even if you're feeling very comfortable with this particular interviewer that you still don't want to like, uh, you don't use profanity. You don't use slang. Don't you, you know, like don't get too familiar with this interviewer. Try to keep it professional. Um, it's okay to connect with people. You can connect with people very in a, in a professional manner. Just be careful of what you say, and you don't want to give away too much. That like things that you don't need to tell them, or you know, anything like that. Like information that is not something that the program has a right to know. Like for women, programs should not be asking about family planning decisions. Like they shouldn't, the program should not be like, Oh, so what are you doing to not have children for the next three years? Like that, that is an inappropriate question. You shouldn't have to answer that. Um, I don't know what, you know, questions that guys can get, maybe religious affiliations, you know, guys and girls can both get those questions. Um, 
but like you could get into a very comfortable conversation and then give up that information that is really none of their business uh, that they can then turn around and use um, as a way to decide whether or not they want to have you in the program or not. So you don't don't give them don't give them weapons that they can use against you. I guess is my point. Yeah. It's not an adversarial situation, but that's, I know that I'm making it sound very adversarial like, but it's. You're supposed to be. They're supposed to be getting to know you, just making a decision whether you'd be a good fit for the program. But you don't need to give them reasons to not take you on as a student or as a resident. I don't know. Let's try to thread thread that line. Care <laughs> <laughs> uh, a quick little home front update because I'm not at home. Um, I'm assuming just based on our conversations today that. Karen's home front operations consist of killing cockroaches. <laughs> the weather has changed, and we didn't. Normally, we, Eric sprays um, every what four to six weeks, and we missed we missed one. So, normally, the rule of thumb is if there's uh, we kill three cockroaches in the house, it's time to spray. So yeah. those little uh, suckers can find a way in any way. <laughs> but. So I guess I'm spraying. This will be the first time. So I'm trying to come up with a plan to keep the kids entertained so that I can have some time outside by myself to spray and not mm-hmm. have little humans running around. So, yeah. Yes. But uh, we're at what? 36 weeks. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. So it'll be interesting. I'm trying to get the house clean before Eric gets home and his mom comes into town so that we have some help when a baby makes her debut, whenever that may be. And yeah. we're still working on names. Yeah. I think somebody did give us a name, Joe. Thank you. But <laughs> I think I, I accidentally shot it down really quick because it, it was the same name as a. Uh, the person was someone from Arrested Development, and I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to use that name. <laughs> and he did tell me it was actually like a, I think he said Russian, like for like Anastasia or something like that. Oh. Um, like a shortened version of that. But the damage was done. <laughs> Eric's really good about shooting down names. I'm not so good about uh, throwing them out there, though. <laughs> I, I feel like early on I gave a solid dozen names that were solid, and therefore I'm done. Sure. I, and I, honestly, I'm doing our, our daughter a favor because some of these names are they're going to be they're going to be twisted into horrible nicknames, and I think it's I'm, I'm doing my our daughter a favor that she doesn't have to deal with that, and. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna apologize for making her life better. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> Karen's shaking her head. Obviously, I, on the podcast, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I have thrown out so many names, <laughs> so many. I'm just saying, you're not thinking of what the, the shortening of the name will do to the kid, like. What's the nickname that's going to come along with that name? Can anyone pronounce that name? Again, she just rolled her eyes. It's great for podcasting when they use facial <laughs> expressions to answer your <laughs> respond back. Anywho. Uh, yes. Anything else to add besides 
<laughs> the eye roll. <laughs> Besides the eye roll. I don't know what's wrong with my names. <laughs> they have good meanings. They have great meanings. So commonly used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but Greta is a name for old people or teenagers who yell at adults. <laughs> I know you did ruin that one for me after reminding me that, but you could do otherwise. Yeah, otherwise like it's great. You don't like Eloise. I didn't say I didn't like Eloise. Yeah, you did. You nixed it really early on. We'll talk. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just going to cap us off. Um, uh, if you want to follow us on MedFamilyMD on Instagram, uh, we are that's our kind of our active social media uh, location. So just you can follow us there on, on Instagram. If you have any questions, send shoot a message to Karen through that. Uh, Karen is the kind of the curator, does all the Instagram stuff, and uh, she can forward any questions you have for me or for her, and we would either address it on the program or we will just address it directly with you. And then if you want to subscribe to our podcast, any of the major podcasting sites, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, all um, places where you can access our podcast. So feel free to uh, subscribe on whatever of those is your favorite. And if you want to leave us a five star, that's always great. Um, otherwise, we will work on our way rotation for like two more weeks and then we'll be back in the same town, uh, at least indefinitely at that point. Um, but yeah, we will, uh, I guess, talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys.